Alright everybody, welcome to episode number 46 of Talking Taker, our encyclopedic exploration digging up the career of the greatest professional wrestling character of all time. My name is Alex Dorio, I am one of your co-hosts, one of the creatures of the night, and I am joined as always by my tag team partner, my wrestling buddy, my fellow creature of the night, Travis White. And Travis, I was uh, a little nervous about getting into this episode, into the Inferno match. I wasn't sure about it, but taking a page from the immortal Garth Brooks, life is not tried, it is merely survived when you're standing outside the fire. So we just got to jump mm. in. Am I right? How about it? <laughs> exactly. Was that from No Fences? Was, oh, I can't remember what album that was on. That, wow. I think anyway. it's... Girth man. Brooks, man. I can't remember if it's In Pieces or Rope and As In Pieces, I think. Oh. Yeah, I think they're it was all, In Pieces. They're all good to me. <laughs> they're all great. One of yeah. the best concerts I've ever been to. Oh, I'm so jealous. Oh, no question. So jealous. Yeah, man, I'm excited about this. Standing outside the fire. Well, that does happen in this match, so we can't wait to get to that part. Because I, uh, I think there's a key person to book that part. But anyway... Uh, we'll talk about that Brooks? later. No, I think it might have been. Or, or old Girth Brooks himself. Good old JR. So, or was knows? it Sawyer Brown? Could have been Sawyer Brown. Man, we got so much country music on this episode There's already. I can't wait to break it. Can't wait to break it down. So. <laughs> yeah. A lot more. So, anyway. Well, we are talking, of course, about Unforgiven in Your House, the April 1998 WWF pay per view. With The Undertaker taking on Kane for the second time, and this time the feud has escalated to the first ever Inferno match. So, man, there's a lot to talk about here. Some just some of the most insane buildup we've ever seen here on the show, and one of the wildest spectacles we've ever seen on the show. And I mean, let's just think about that for a second. An Inferno match. A match where the ring is surrounded by fire, and the way to win is to light your opponent on fire. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, I remember when you started talking about this whole feud in general, you were like, I can't believe this is wrestling. This is not your mama's wrestling. You know, this is the whole storyline in general. And now, yeah, you're going to light a brother on fire? <laughs> like, oh, man, this really ain't your mama's wrestling. So, uh, yeah. Crazy, man. How this, far we've come. It, it really is. I mean, going back to Survivor Series 1990, where The Undertaker debuted eight years ago, 45 episodes ago, this idea of a wrestling match, I mean, that that's unfathomable. Oh, yeah. Unfathomable in the WWF of 1990 with those wrestlers there. I mean, any sort of gimmick. A cage match was about as far as you would go. Back then, and now we've escalated into the casket match, boiler room brawl, buried alive, last man standing, first blood, all these different things, and now we're lighting people on fire. <laughs> the, the business has changed. The WWF has escalated. I mean, everything has escalated. Yeah. We're having evening gown matches on this show. There's just, uh, it's, it's a different time, no doubt about it. Oh, yeah, for sure, man. And it's funny because most of those match types that you just named are all Undertaker gimmicks. So it's funny how unique he is to a lot of these gimmick matches that have taken place over the last uh, you know, seven and a half years we've been covering his career here. So um, I tell you what, man, I've been looking for a word other than spectacle because I feel like spectacle is the word I use so much talking about these things and just 
it's just iconic moments and stuff. And again, this match and this buildup is full of spectacle, but I need a thesaurus or something, man, because <laughs> I looked on thesaurus.com and tableau is a, is a word, but I don't think I wouldn't say any of these things are tableau. But anyway, I don't know. I got to find something else because I feel like we're overusing the word spectacle, but man, I don't know what else to say. It just encapsulates what's going on. So I feel uh, like tableau so, is a great jobber's name. Maybe somebody on Raw in 1993. <laughs> tableau. Like Roblo and tableau. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Surprised it wasn't. Uh, probably might have been. Who I'm knows? sure he's in the main event of. He probably was in the main event of Raw one night in '93. So <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, anyway, man. But you know, another thing I find unique about this match is that this pay per view. Again, and we'll talk about it as we get to it. But um, we're gonna do the build up here first. But you know, it's in Greensboro, North Carolina, at the Greensboro Coliseum, which you know historically. That's a that's a NWA stomping grounds, Jim Crockett Promotions stuff. You know the Greensboro Coliseum, so many iconic matches and the Horsemen and Dusty and all that stuff taking place there. And it's just funny because those guys, those the fans in Greensboro, have seen so much. So I'm sure that wasn't going into the psychology of oh let's build let's build an inferno match because these fans have seen a lot. But it's just to go back and you know kind of armchair quarterback it and say you know it is funny though how these fans have probably been wild and impressed with a lot of stuff over the years and. This is just one more notch in their belt, you know, in Greensboro, this Inferno match. Yeah, it's a far cry from Ricky the Dragon Steamboat and Ric Flair in a 60-minute yeah. Broadway. <laughs> but uh, we'll right. get into that. I don't know if that's a good thing or not. Uh, we'll see. We'll see. Yeah. Let's talk about it. Uh, let's jump into the, uh, the build-up here. Uh, we are, of course, picking up right after WrestleMania 14, Undertaker and Kane's first match, Undertaker... Got the victory, moved the streak to 7-0, and but he, like we mentioned on the last episode, he won the battle, but the war is certainly not finished as Kane got up and inflicted more damage upon The Undertaker, and Kane walked out uh, sort of seemingly more victorious, even though Undertaker got the pinfall. Undertaker, or Kane sure. walked out uh, standing tall, uh, you might say. So the night after WrestleMania on March 30th, Paul Bearer picks things back up with his his version of the I Have a Dream speech here on Monday Night Raw. <laughs> yeah. He's a visionary, just like old Martin Luther King. We should have a Paul Bearer day sometime. Oh, I, I mean, in, I, uh... I co-sign on that 100%. <laughs> yeah, let's get, let's get that there. We got Martin Luther King day. We got Paul Bearer day. Yes. Very, Everyone dresses up as Paul Bearer. I mean, we all carry urns around. Uh, we sing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> look at our cell our reflections in our urns yes. so you know anyway but yeah he's uh this is an iconic episode of raw just from top to bottom but yeah let's i want to mention a few things about it but let's focus on what he's got here um again the main event of this show is um is uh, a cage match so to make use of the time for the guys that had to build the cage this is when Cannon Paul Bear come out. You know, I thought it was just smart booking right there. Mm-hmm. And uh, Paul Bear says, you know, Undertaker, behold your brother. You know, did you think it was over? And he, he and he tells him that, you know, he's looking at you look at the only man to ever kick out of the famous tombstone. Which again, we provided the information last week. That's with an asterisk. But as far as the the uh, you know regular fan knows, that's true. Basically, you know. True. Yeah, exactly. So. And then he says something cool here. He says, you know, I know that you've changed inside since you finally had to face your your flesh and blood now. So I thought that was cool. Again, he's just – they never forget any continuity in this storyline. It's really neat. And uh, 
you know, Paul Bear said, you know, you face your flesh and blood and um, that you cowered in the corner. And, you know, I had a dream last night and I'll let you take it from here and tell us what his dream was. Paul Bear talks about his dream. And normally when someone tells you about your, their dream, it's like the least interesting thing in the world. It's really interesting to them, but then they're telling it to you. Right. It couldn't be any more boring. Well, not quite yeah. the case here. Paul Bear amps it up, says he dreamt last night. Yes, In that dream, I saw the ring surrounded by fire. And he saw a vision of The Undertaker and Kane fighting in there. And he challenges The Undertaker to come into this dream match, to step into the ring of fire, to face his brother one more time. Then he goes on to say that the dream is not quite finished yet, that in order to win this match, either you or your brother will have to catch the other person on fire. So he challenges Undertaker Whew. to this never-before-seen Inferno match at Unforgiven in your house. Make sure to slip the pay-per-view name in there. And, yes. <laughs> um, yeah, there we go. We're uh, we're getting an Inferno match now. What what does this mean? What exactly does this look like? We don't know. Uh, it's kind of going back to that when we first heard about the Buried Alive match or a lot of these Undertaker gimmick matches. We don't really know what it means. It's just a cool name and a sort of interesting description of what's going to happen. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, as well as us being confused, JR and King have no idea what this means. Yes. They're like... What is he? T- which again is cool that they're selling that confusion because you're right. If they'd have been like, "Oh, well, this is a match that you you know," and would have just said what it is and not played confused, it would have taken away from the you know the shock and the realness of it. So I appreciate that they're you know in line with the kayfabe here. So that's good stuff. But yeah, this is again, this was really cool, and I wish Paul Bear had more dreams. I'd love to see matches he's dreamed up, you know, <laughs> all kinds of matches. <laughs> But uh, you know, like like you talked last time, that uh, superpowers for superpower match would have been great. So, um, but what a what an episode of Raw! You know, it that's kind of how they that's, that that scene ends, and then you have you know at the very end of that, you got DX is reforming, and X Pac came back on this night, and The Rock takes over the Nation domination. Austin's given the brand new title. You know, the Winged Eagle title is gone. He's got this new blue belt. Um, Val Venus's first promo is this night. So, uh, you know, it's historic. A lot of stuff. Yeah, what a show, man. Yeah, Um, you can kind of point to this as one of the first, really the first Raw after WrestleMania as we know it. Yes. You know, they they had done some stuff before, like like Diesel, excuse me, like Sid powerbombing Shawn Michaels and turning on him. Right. That that happened on the Raw after WrestleMania a couple years ago. But this is the first one that kind of, escalates it to that level that huge. we know of now with huge returns and big big major angles setting off really the whole next year of storylines this yeah. is the first time we really see a concerted effort uh, of, of that so pretty cool yeah and i i checked the uh, history books here and i went over to see what was on raw like, or what was on nitro what did nitro put up against you know because they knew that austin won as a big coup for the wwf so they knew the next night they're going to come out guns blazing and i just want to mention that one of my favorite memories ever on nitro happened this night and that was when jericho read the 1004 holds that he has so everyone remembers that everyone knows about that if you're a big fan and been watching forever and uh 
I just didn't realize it was on this ep- same night. So pretty cool stuff. <laughs> a lot and, of history. And being kudos, because yeah, it it was at the nine o'clock hour. So when Austin comes ah. out at the beginning of Raw, they've got Jericho on the other show, which I, I remember watching Jericho. So uh, anyway, there you go. Yeah. Well, something I don't remember is something you dug up here that took place on April 4th, 1998. Uh, talk a little bit about that. Yeah, so I guess the WWF flew over to you know the UK and did you know a, a small short tour there. And so they have Mayhem in Manchester on uh, April 4th, 1998. And it's a UK-only show, but it's not technically a pay-per-view, and it's not on the network at all. So you know we covered one night only a few episodes ago because it was on the network and it's technically a pay-per-view. So I'm not sure if this was one of those Sky Sports exclusives or what it was, but it's basically a glorified house show, man. Like It looks like a house show. Uh, apparently in the States it was released as like an hour-long VHS. They cut up the matches and stuff and oh, just gave you, okay. um, like, you know, yeah, they didn't release the whole thing. So, But Undertaker versus Kane is the main event. Um, and Undertaker comes out and no no music. He just comes out and DX beats him up, and uh, he's wearing cutoff sleeves and jeans. Uh, so it looks like Biker Taker, which is very strange. Uh, he's kind of flash uh, giving us a glimpse of two years from now. But um, he defeats Kane with a choke slam and a tombstone in about three minutes. But again, it's I guess it never really counted technically because they never referenced it on Raw or anything on right. any of these shows because you know like one night only we covered that they covered that in the continuity of wwf programming but they don't do that at all here you know because so technically he's beaten kane twice um before we get to um before we get to this inferno match which is kind of strange but yeah it's we'll put up a clip of it on uh on our social media if it's already if it's not already up so it's interesting to check out for sure though yeah i had no idea i had no knowledge or memory of that maybe some of our uk fans do specifically remember that but an interesting little footnote oh yeah that'd be cool we continue on this (coughs) feud in this journey uh and that takes us into raw episode 254 april 6 1998 on the wwe network where we uh, add a little gasoline to this fire if you will uh, <laughs> undertaker has an interview in the ring with old kevin kelly there's some great <clears throat> signs in the crowd for both kane and the undertaker out yes. there um <laughs> And Kevin Kelly asked Undertaker point blank, you know, your body absorbed a tremendous amount of punishment at WrestleMania. Are you going to be able to do it again at Unforgiven? Uh, and Undertaker responds, says that at WrestleMania, Kane found out I'm not just his brother. I am the Lord of Darkness. Uh, you gave me a beating like no one else has. And uh, there, uh, he is going to accept the challenge. He says, like, just like when we were children, I could beat you up at will. And when all is said and done and unforgiven and your body is set on fire, it will truly be the beginning of your eternal damnation. So, you know, pretty standard Undertaker promo as he yeah. uh, accepts the challenge and tells Kane he's going to destroy him, beat him up like when we were kids. But what's not standard is what happens next. Surprise, surprise is what we hear through the PA system here. And it's Kane and Paul Bear, and they're on the Titantron here. So they're, you know, away from the arena here. And they're at the graveside of their of Undertaker and Kane's parents, where the lonely poet uh, Undertaker was sitting uh, a couple weeks ago, uh, rubbing his hands to his hair. And uh, they look like huh? they're at like a Party City Halloween store display. Oh. <laughs> it's so yeah. cheap and 
<laughs> fake looking. It's it's ridiculous. Yeah, not WWF's finest work. Uh, you know, <laughs> but, you know, we we put over their production a lot here, but um, not their finest work. You're right. It looks like they're at Party City or like you know somebody's you know your rich neighbor's front yard. You know they go all out on Halloween and do that stuff. So uh, rich neighbors <laughs> being generous. Uh, well, yeah. Well, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> you're moderately wealthy. Uh, High, uh, white collar neighbor yeah, uh, okay. put some stuff out for Halloween, but yeah. yeah, all this missing is a is a candy dish. So, but um, <laughs> he goes on and Paul Bear says, you know, we're here where you delivered your Academy Award winning performance, which I think you and I both agreed on. So, uh, and he yeah, um yeah. he says that I will ensure, I'm sorry, uh, yeah, he says I will ensure that you di- die a slow, agonizing death uh, at, in your house. And at this point, Kane takes a sledgehammer and uh, annihilates his parents' gravestones. Um, and pours gasoline on them. So, again, uh, big fans of the gasoline here, like you said, and then they light the sign on fire where the <laughs> gravestones were. So that's his own parents, man, like storyline-wise. Yeah. So how horrifying, you know? True. Uh, the Undertaker makes a really sad face in the ring. Like, he's really disappointed <laughs> that this has happened. <laughs> JR mentions that this crowd here is just in stunned silence, and they are, man. The crowd doesn't really know how to react to this. Yeah. This is uh, – Nope. We're escalating things here to a different level, and it's gonna keep going. It's yeah, I really got out of hand there, for sure. Yeah, no, that that says nothing on out yeah. of hand. We're still two weeks away from out of hand. Oh yeah, yeah, we got a few weeks before we really go over the top yeah. of the silliness. Um, oh man, something I just thought of. I want to correct myself from okay. last week. Remember, I I didn't I didn't even write this down, but uh, uh, we were talking about you know we don't know who backstage is a huge Batman fan. You know we've been comparing undertaker's you know time here to batman of course i completely completely slipped my mind vince russo has a giant batman tattoo on his right shoulder really giant but he's a huge batman mark especially for batman 66 like the adam west stuff um so i don't know how much he was into batman like you know tim burton stuff or you know michael keaton but um i do remember i do know that he's a giant batman mark as well when it comes to the old stuff so maybe that's where he got it from but i don't remember batman's fake brother ever burning his parents graves down so anyway <laughs> somewhere uh, else anyway. in the extended dc universe somewhere some sure. other comic book sure. i don't even yeah martian yeah. manhunter i don't but, know uh, <laughs> that brings us to april 13th at raw 255 april 13th 98 um this is the raw that the famous raw or infamous depending on which side of the fence you're on that finally beats nitro in the ratings um after 83 weeks which is a podcast so um this is the one the episode that finally beats again they flip-flop back and forth ratings wise for a while but this is the one that knocks wcw off their high horse so and of course you know it typically stone cold vince man get all the credit for that and it's this episode right. of raw where they face off against each other so yeah <clears throat> i mean i think there's no question they deserve the lion's share of the credit for that but much like we mentioned in the WrestleMania 14 episode last week, uh, I think The Undertaker and this feud with Kane, I think it deserves a good chunk of that as well. It's not just one thing that is boosting the WWF right now. This Undertaker-Kane storyline that has been building for so long, and The Undertaker, who has been the backbone of the WWF and the cornerstone, especially during this time, I think he deserves at least a percentage of that credit for helping turn the tide here. Uh, I'm fine with oh, giving sure. Stone Cold events most of it, but you got to throw, you got to throw Undertaker and Kane and Paul Bearer a little chunk of that. Yeah. 
Yeah, absolutely. And in DX and Rock, I mean, well, but yeah, I think yeah. most importantly, Kane and Undertaker, you know, like this story, like again, this story's been building. It's taking some crazy twists and turns. It's going to get out of control here soon. But, uh, you know, it definitely is, um, is should, you know, should get more credit, I think. So, um, but man, this episode, talk about, I talked last week about burying the light heavyweight division. Whoo. They're going to get buried even more here by uh, our boy Undertaker. So uh, tell us what happens here. This was I was excited for this match. Too much versus Aguila and, and El Pantera. Oh, man. Main event anywhere <laughs> in the country for sure. Uh, <laughs> they should dig these guys up for 205 Live. <laughs> All four. <laughs> Why not? Uh, oh, have, yeah. have this match finally take place. But anyway, Undertaker. <laughs> 20 actually, years in the making. Yes. <laughs> Undertaker actually comes out and interrupts and choke slams everybody except for Brian Christopher. Brian Christopher runs away. Sure. But uh, he gets yeah. three of the guys, Tombstones, Scott Taylor, and of course we've been seeing Kane do this normally. Kane's usually the one that comes out and uh, has a tendency to attack the light heavyweights. And the announcers right. pick up on that. They're saying this is usually what Kane does. This is his MO. The Undertaker must just be an emotional wreck. Uh, Undertaker kind of confirms that. He get, gets on the mic. Kane! It's time your big brother shows you what evil is all about. No longer are you the hunter, but now you are the hunted. And he tells Kane that he can feel his presence in the building and that this night will go on for an eternity until you show your face, Kane. So... Undertaker is fed up with what the Undertaker's been doing and is going to use his scare tactics to bring Kane back out. And he's even going to go on later to attack a couple of guys that Kane has attacked before, uh, even more of them. He's attacked his cruiserweights before. <laughs> oh, yeah. He's going to attack a couple, another couple of guys. I didn't even think about that. Yeah, he's a t- next, later on in the, in the show, he attacks the headbangers. But um, I do like that, you know, again, commentary points out this is Kane's, you know, operation usually doing this kind of stuff now takers got a screw loose he's he's an an emotional wreck because of this you know desecrating his parents grave so i do appreciate the again commentary paying attention to the continuity because so many times that stuff is lost so um and again you and i are big um sticklers for storytelling but anyway yeah later on headbangers are out I can't. I'm sure the crowd was waiting for their match to get started but um they're in the ring (laughs) and undertaker comes out again and uh, tombstones and choke slams in, and uh, lights go out, and Kane's music hits at this point. And uh, he and Paul Bear are on the stage this time. So not on the Tron. They've actually got the arena. They're on the stage this time. So, And uh, Paul's got the, uh, well, well, well. <laughs> he says, so you want your little brother to do your rigor mortis. And, dude, at this point, I was watching this the other night, and I laughed out loud. He just... <laughs> called the undertaker rigor mortis like it's first and last name i loved it uh, he's on fire man uh, no pun intended but paul bear is awesome was that mortis's awesome. first name in wcw rigor yeah <laughs> i bet just i bet they made his last name i bet no. it was mortis rigor so <laughs> probably, <laughs> probably. <laughs> knowing them but uh yeah it's yeah it's just man it was just classic I, I do not remember that line i don't remember watching that 20 years ago but it was epic it was so good. i just laughed out loud he's just so incredible but but anyway going on he 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 being paul bear tells undertaker that they're going to face each other next week in the cemetery and they could fight there on the grave where your uh you know your dead mom and 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 dad are where you know 
um, I think he said something about we're going to, you can fight right here on your, you know, insert cuss word here, grave. So, um, you know, we'll just see and send you back to hell where you belong. And so it says Kane will be here. Will you? And he kind of cackles like a evil villain and flames go off and that's it. So it was pretty cool though. So, I think. So not only are we going to get a match where two guys are going to try to light each other on fire at the pay-per-view right. next week on raw before that, we're going to get a match where two guys are going to fight on top of their dead parents' graves. Right. I like the way you put that. <laughs> well, let's, uh, yeah, I, I have more thoughts. <laughs> we'll get to it. Uh, you know, and people give WCW a lot of crap for their graveyard matches with Kiss Demon and Sting and Vampiro and the Human Torch match oh, no. and stuff. But, oh, yeah. no. The seeds were planted right here in 1998. So. <laughs> well, you know, I just realized something as we move on to the Go Home show. I it, This is one of the most, this is no doubt, this is the most insane episode of Raw that we have covered yet. I, th- I think there's going to be some more insane ones as we get into the Ministry of Darkness stuff, but yeah, this is going to set the bar be. pretty high. I just realized why this next episode of Raw is so ridiculous. Oh, what's that? It takes place on 420. April 20th, oh. 1998. That's why this episode of Raw is so off the charts, because everyone was wow. high as they were writing it. <laughs> That's the only That's way to explain true. this episode of that, Raw. That is, because, you know, again, we talk about all this continuity and storyline and seriousness and, you know, kayfabe, but, dude, there's some serious gaps in logic here coming on. And, I, yeah, I can't wait to talk about this. You're right, though. I didn't think about that. It's 420. It makes perfect Raw. sense now. <laughs> it does. <laughs> it's... <laughs> oh, uh, oh man the show starts out with kevin kelly live on location at the so you know you're bad <laughs> yeah we're, we're <laughs> in the hole right off the bat uh, yeah he's at the dollar general graveyard and uh <laughs> he, he promises the audience that they will break into the live show whenever undertaker or kane arrive at the graveyard uh yes and we uh we do check back on him a little bit later on as the show is going on and Kevin reassures us that the Undertaker is just moments away from arriving at the graveyard. Which here's here's the first problem: How does he know that? Is Undertaker paging him uh, on his cell phone? Let, let, I'll be there in ten minutes, buddy. Like, what the heck? How does he know? I don't know, man. They had a hearse cam or what they had. I'm not sure. Maybe they had like at uh, the backlot brawl in '96. Maybe they have a helicopter mm. overhead following mm. Undertaker. Oh, we never saw, but yeah. Seriously, how is Kevin Kelly's? Oh, Undertaker is minutes away. I understand. Like, how do you know that? You don't know that. <laughs> no. I know you don't know that. Oh, it was insulting. Oh, oh man, no, no idea. And then uh, I think as yeah, is it later on as as Mosh is facing Dan Severn? Oh, golly, yes. Dan the Beast Severn. Dan the Beast yes. Severn. Yes, sir. <laughs> I was a huge fan of his. Um, One of my favorite uh, random Attitude Era theme songs, Dan the Beast 7. Oh, yeah. I love his music. So good. So good. Yeah, so many good themes back here in 98. And I love his mustache. No, it's it's classic. It's up there, man. Top top 10 favorite mustaches of all time. Top five. (laughs) Top five in wrestling. Top 10 in just Uh, in life. uh, All right. All right. (laughs) We'll break that down on a special bonus episode. (laughs) (laughs) We have nothing else to talk about. So, uh, Anyway, but as this match is going on again, who this is a main event anywhere else in the country? Mosh versus Dan B. Severn. Mm-hmm. So, um, Jr. mentions that Undertaker has now arrived at the cemetery. 
and says something big is happening, something huge is happening. So I thought Kevin Kelly said we're going to cut away. <laughs> like they, we, we skip whatever big is happening there. But we come back to Kevin Kelly, and he tells us, he gives us an update. I don't, I don't know what he saw inside, but as soon as The Undertaker arrived, he left just as quickly. And before he left, all I heard from inside was a blood-curdling scream. Uh, we got crew members going inside. Where are they? Where they happen to them? Where are they now? Sir, you know where they're at. Where are they? They're not in there. Where do they go? You better tell me. So I'm just picturing... This is episode. Uh, I don't know if you know on The Simpsons, but Ned Flanders, whenever he screams, it's just like yes. high pitched, like a woman. I'm just picturing yeah. the Undertaker screaming like that, uh, and then uh, Undertaker pops up out of the screen in, in his street clothes, as you mentioned from the Mayhem. This is the same outfit. Oh, it's okay. the same exact outfit, the same right. shirt, logo, and everything. So it makes me wonder if they filmed this over in England. Honestly, maybe, or maybe that's just what the Undertaker wears. Could just be the same shirt he wears all the time. Yeah, who knows? But, <laughs> but yeah, he, he pops out from. Honestly, he's probably standing right behind the camera guy. It's oh, not yeah, like he surprised sure. Kevin Kelly. He just course. boom, just pops out. And he starts choking him. He's saying, "Where are they? They're not in there. They're not in there. Where are they? What happened to him? Where'd they go? You better tell me." He's getting all of them in his face. He does it better than I did. Better acting than that. But anyway, not much better. But um, yeah, getting all in his business, and you know, uh, Kelly's telling him, I, "I don't know." So um, yeah, that's the newest update we have. So. Which we assume that Undertaker is talking about Kane and Paul Bearer, but we're going right. to find out that he's actually talking about something else. Where are they? They're not in there. Where are they? Something, something else has been removed from the cemetery. So uh, yeah. we cut back to Kevin Kelly again after the commercial. He, he again says, I don't know what the Undertaker saw inside. He came to me looking for answers and... I can only speculate right now, but I assume the Undertaker is headed back to the arena, which you picked up on pretty big logic <laughs> I, gap here. So wh- explain I, this to me. I need everyone to hold the phone, all right? Kevin Kelly says Undertaker is headed back to the arena. and They're minutes away. Okay, this show, uh, 420, is from Long Island, New York. How on God's green earth are Undertaker's parents buried anywhere within like 20 minutes of Long Island, New York? <laughs> this dude's from Death Valley, which again, that's got to be out west, right? I mean, Death Valley it's is either, out west. It's either there or in Clemson. Or Clemson. Maybe he's from the football stadium. <laughs> exactly. Either one. Not a quick drive to Long Island Arena or whatever it's called. You know, so I just immediately jumped out at me. I said, whoa, 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 whoa. Like, He's driving back now from the graveside? Like, that does not even make sense, man. It was, that was stupid. <laughs> yes, th- this doesn't make sense at all. And also, they were <laughs> at that grave, at that cemetery a couple weeks ago. Dude, yeah. Like, what is happening? Um, yeah. And that's not even the half of it. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> Hold on, people. Ladies and gentlemen, buckle up. It's going to get weird right now. So. so, a hearse drives into the arena during. The Midnight Express versus Flash Funk and Terry Funk match in the NWA angle, which will never die, apparently, <laughs> is just eating up television time every single week. Um, and so the announcers are saying, well, that's definitely The Undertaker. That's got to be The Undertaker, which means it's 100% it's not. not The Undertaker driving. <laughs> right. <it. laughs> right. So exactly. who's driving you know it? it's not. Uh, Well, it <laughs> turns out... 
it was uh, P- Paul Bear and Kane get out of the, the hearse. Somebody else is driving. I don't know what his name is, but um, Drivers R Us, whatever his name, driver by numbers. I don't know who he is. But anyway, he gets out, and Paul Bear and Kane open the back of the hearse, and Paul Bear is like a giddy little schoolgirl, and he's excited. And a little bit, the next very next scene after the break, these um, – they're shown getting the well. There's a casket on the ground already, and one casket's still in the hearse. And <laughs> I'm I'm no like architect or like uh, anything, but I do have a pretty good you know idea about mathematics and just geography or ge- excuse me, idiot geometry. And uh, there's no way those two hearse those two things fit in the back of that hearse, man. No, no way. It's not a it's not a double wide, double deep purse. It's only got room <laughs> exactly. for one casket in there but somehow they have two <laughs> caskets with them yes uh and kane is standing by and paul bear looks like again he's covered in dirt and his hair is all messed <laughs> up and his shirt is grimy which is but, great uh, i love that oh yeah detail. i appreciate that they literally dug up these two graves <laughs> <laughs> so that's the story here is they dug up the graves of the two dead parents here <laughs> And who apparently are buried in Long Island, and <laughs> drove them back to the uh, to the arena here. And um, Undertaker, I mean, excuse me, Paul Baird has probably my favorite thing I've ever witnessed as far as the history we've been unpacking here. And um, he sing, he goes to push the caskets away, and he's going. That's just the best thing I've ever seen in my life. So. Um, you know, I love he, it. He's singing, he, he's singing Randy Travis. He's singing an old classic country song, "Digging Up Bones." It's amazing, amazing. It's, You're right. This so is a highlight of our entire journey here, and he makes it, it clear. <laughs> he says, "Iron Digger will be so happy we brought Mama and Daddy back." Um, this is <laughs> uh, just a Hall of Fame performance again. From Paul Bear, he is relishing just the goofiness, the ridiculousness of all of this. So th- this oh, continues so on. This is already like six segments that we've been in. Yeah. And then oh. we come back and the caskets are placed out on the top of the entryway in the arena. They're covered- on like a black carpet. <laughs> yeah. They're covered in dirt. There's worms and maggots crawling all over them. Um, this is insane. Yeah, <laughs> it's insane. again spectacle. Yeah, it's something. And again, I do. Again, I want to tip my hat to their continuity though here because Paul Bear says, you know, he reminds the viewers that Undertaker didn't get to attend the funeral. You know, he was too shy to come or too embarrassed or whatever, and too scared. So he said, "We just brought the caskets here so we could have a nice funeral for your parents." So yes. how nice of him. You That's know? right. They remember the story. <laughs> yeah, but uh, it's great though because he's even more despicable. Paul Bear is, and he says, "You know, look at these cheap caskets I buried them in. I picked the, just the cheapest pine boxes I could find. So um, they've been rotting in those for twenty years, Undertaker. It's all your fault. So just man, just lumping on, you know, pouring salt on this wound, man. Such a good heel." Well, Taker has arrived from the cemetery just in time for this. He's been going yeah. 120 miles per hour from Death Valley <laughs> or Long Island sound. I don't know. Who knows he took a at this point? From yeah. Clemson. He uh, <laughs> he comes out through the crowd. His music hits. Lights go out. He comes out of the cloud, crowd. He's in street clothes, and I, I'm pretty sure this is the first time we've ever seen Undertaker not in his outfit yeah. on TV. 
Uh, besides yep. the Mayhem in Manchester thing, first time ever on Which Raw again, or pay-per-view. Yeah. I, yeah, absolutely, because, yeah, Mayhem Manchester wasn't technically, I guess, part of continuity. So, yeah, no one saw that except the people in the U.K. So, yeah, this is the first time you get him out of his Undertaker garb, you know, his makeup. Again, that's part of the, what we're talking about this whole build, you know, this whole podcast, too, is the changes in his character. So here, talk about being more human. Dude, he's in, like, legit street clothes, like, cut-off shirt and jeans again for the first time on Raw. So, um, yeah, it's part of his character now, you know? And as he's doing that, Kane starts pouring the gasoline over the caskets <laughs> at the instruction of Paul Bear. Pour the gas on it. Pour the gas on it, Kane. It, as soon as he pours, as soon as he pops the top of the gasoline, immediately JR goes, "You smell that? It must be gasoline." He's 120 oh. yards away. <laughs> Him and Kane have the strongest sense of smell on earth. I know. I know. Oh, it's ridiculous. So, uh, but yeah, Undertaker warns Paul, "Don't do this. Don't do this." You know. Do not do this. And, he says uh, you'll die a thousand deaths if you do that. Bro. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, of course, you know, this is good versus evil here. So uh, they light the casket on fire. They drop a match on it, and it goes up in a blaze of glory. And immediately, Undertaker bolts up the ramp. And in a pretty cool spot, I think. I mean, they had to time this perfectly. He's running toward the other casket, and Kane grabs him by the choke. Excuse me. Grabs him by the throat. And choke slams him onto the other casket that crumbles beneath him. Yep. Yeah, <laughs> I said that because that really happened. Paul Bear and Kane lit to put their parents' casket on <laughs> fire, and Kane choke slammed the Undertaker into his mother's casket. Because he says, uh, "Wow, he uh, rest in peace with your dead mama." Right, right. So they lit <laughs> the dead, they lit the father's casket on fire and yes. choke slammed Undertaker into the mother's casket, um, and we actually <sighs> see the bones inside the casket. <laughs> the worms are crawling out of it. The crowd is just dead silent during all of yeah. this. They're not popping. They're not booing. This is. Over the top, and Jr. and King have no idea what to say to any of this either. Yeah. They're confused. Uh, they, it's just to me. Look, it's it's hilarious in some parts, but for me, uh, this was like the jumping the shark moment for me for Undertaker yeah. and Kane and this feud. You know, and look, you you got to take. You got to take everything in wrestling with a grain of salt, especially sure. with The Undertaker. And I know we've gone to some ridiculous levels with The Undertaker. <laughs> and even with Undertaker and Kane, it's, it's over the top, always. Right. To me, there's something <clears throat> to just talking about it. Paul Bear, Undertaker, Kane, cutting all these promos and talking about their history. That's one thing. And I think that's great when they can sell it like that. And you're using your imagination yeah. to paint this picture. When we're actually bringing out the coffins of the dead parents, lighting them on fire, <laughs> seeing the bones, choke slamming them yeah. into it, for me, and I remember even as a 12-year-old watching this, I didn't care for it then. I thought it was stupid then. I think it's stupid <laughs> now. I think this is awful. I think this is some of the worst stuff we've seen. It's too much. We've gone way past uh, the the enjoyment like this is over the top it feels like they were high while they were writing this and <laughs> they may have been. jumped the shark to where this is just 
is too much for me. And I, you can, I don't know how you feel about it, but uh, yeah, the, this was, I, I couldn't buy into this. <clears throat> no, it definitely takes a turn for the, the goofy man. But uh, I do say that like, again, as a go home show to build to the Inferno match, you're not going to get any more heat on a character than the fact that he lit his dead dad's casket on fire and that's then chokes his brother. The that's beyond I'm, wrestling. I'm, I'm not Come saying on. it's good. I'm just saying. But as far as you got good guy versus bad guy, how are you going to get any more of a bad guy than that? So, um, but yeah, no, it is goof is fruit loop all over the edge, man, over the top It's out of control. And yeah, you're right, man. It kind of did jump the shark here, but, um, I don't know who booked this crap, but it is what it is. And, uh, yeah, at the end of this episode, uh, we get another update from Michael Cole, and he says that uh, Kane and Paul Bear have left the arena. Someone should have arrested them, honestly. Um, yes. And <laughs> and uh, their remains have been transferred to a secure area. So I would like to know what kind of secure area that is. And the Undertaker is remaining close to the remains in vigilance. So, which again is probably a word of the day calendar that morning for Vincent Man <laughs> vigilance. So must have um, been. See, that's yeah. my other thing too. So speaking of Vincent Man. What is he doing right now to, that he's letting all of this go on? <laughs> yeah, okay. wise yeah. I can yeah. buy into, okay, maybe Vincent Mann is so distracted with the Stone Cold stuff that he's letting all this ridiculousness go on. I could almost buy that, except you've still got Commissioner Slaughter on these episodes. Right. He's still trying to have Law & Order with DX and some other segments on the show. He's doing nothing with Undertaker and Kane. And, yeah. But, you know, why was the Buried Alive match so extreme that it had to be no, it could not be sanctioned by the WWF? But <laughs> two guys line each other on fire, that's cool. Yeah, we'll sanction that. Sign a contract. We're good with that. <laughs> Having an empty grave that they shovel dirt on top of, no, no can do. That's no, sir. Lighting people on fire, book it. <laughs> Oh, I have no idea, man. I have no idea. That doesn't make any sense from a kayfabe standpoint. You're right. So, yeah, we talk all, of all the good we put over the writing. Uh, here we go, and we're gonna have to crap on this because again, we want to be fair here, equal, good and bad. Um, and this was pretty bad. Yeah, it's pretty bad. But um, let's get uh, into it, man. Let's let's yeah, get to the yeah. match. Oh, uh, yeah. Okay. <clears throat> Got Unforgiven in your house on April 26, 1998. So I was 12 years old in three days. I get three days oh, later. Yeah. So it's my, and uh, Greensboro Coliseum again. And um, the show again. The poster for the show is Undertaker, you know, holding his hand out with a cross in the middle and a cross behind him. A lot of religious iconography, as uh, Raven always says. Um, and uh, opening video comes on and compares Kane and Undertaker to Dante's Inferno. Gives a lot of quotes from the poem i guess it's a poem is it a poem or i don't know what you technically call dante's inferno but and yeah. is that freddie blassie who's reading it yeah freddie blassie was reading it uh, okay. who was always great on these opening video packages this was really cool uh it's worth checking out if you if you watch yeah. the match make sure to watch the very opening video package too um and, and i wanted to pick out one quote in particular he reads a few quotes sure. from dante's inferno and one i thought actually pretty fitting for this he says And I think that kind of sums up what's happening to The Undertaker sure. through this feud with Kane, is that he is being transformed into the language of the fire. We saw a couple weeks ago where he is doing what Kane did. He's attacking innocent people. And we're going to see, yeah. as the rest of 1998 goes on, 
he gets dragged down further and further into this evil character and starts becoming Very what true. he had been fighting against. And this is all the beginning of that. So I don't know if they were actually foreshadowing that. Uh, I don't want to give him too much credit, but right. <laughs> it actually is, if you look deep into it, pretty cool little uh, symbolism there. Yeah. No, it is really cool, man. I didn't even pick up on that. It's really, really neat. And yeah, I mean, what a great quote that they had for that. So um, <clears throat> something else that's great on this show is um, Sawyer Brown. <laughs> Those of you who know Sawyer Brown. I'm sorry. <laughs> Jeff Jarrett. And uh, again, like Paul Bear was cutting a promo while the cage is being set up a few weeks ago, that's, this all happened so they can set the ring up for the Inferno match. Yeah. And get all Which, that stuff. Great use of time. And uh, I do like their use of time there. So. Yeah. And their Good setup is going to come into play during this match as well. Sure. <laughs> and just like last month, this match is second from the top again. Uh-huh. So, again, it gets second top to top billing. So, it is important. And uh, we got JR and the King on commentary, which I think we're going to have for a while, for a while. going on here. Yeah. yeah. And uh, <laughs> to show King, he's even got a, he's got a, like, roasting stick. He's got a hot dog and a marshmallow. And uh, it's just funny because uh, JR is like, this is not funny. This is a serious matter. And um, I want to touch on that in just a few minutes, too, because there's something else that. You know, Jr. kind of eats his own words in just a few minutes, but yeah, he's he's getting on King for taking it not seriously, and which again nowadays that's all they would do is right. talk about how funny it was and make jokes. But anyway, but that's my favorite part of the match is that King has the the roasting sticks with the marshmallow <laughs> <laughs> ready to light, light it up for the match. Uh, you just, I mean, that was all him. That had to be. He, oh, he yeah. probably went out to Walmart and bought that because he thought it'd be fun. Oh, for sure he did. Sure he didn't have it approved to say that no. or to have that. That's just freaking it, king, man. I love it. So. Yeah, it's good stuff. So there's another long video before the match. Again, they're getting this, uh, this quite a setup. You know, they got to have propane there and... and <laughs> All kind of stuff with the gas and the, the pipes there. So they another long video kind of recapping everything. But we've taken care of all that here on Talking Taker. But Kane comes out first. Um, and uh, commentary lays out of Undertaker's entrance, as you have mentioned here quite a bit. Um, it's really just gives it a different feel, you know, when they lay out of his, his uh, entrance. So, um, But once the lights come up, man, he gets a real nice ovation. I just It was, it was enough for me to re- remark about it, you know, because – Greensboro, you know, you think of it as an NWA territory, but um, I don't think they really liked that NWA match earlier on. Oh my show. gosh! Yeah, there's a uh, <laughs> New Midnight Express versus Rock and Roll Express match on this pay per view in 1998. It's, yeah, you it's know, a turd. It's so funny to think the Rock and Roll Express was part of the Attitude Era. Yeah. <laughs> it's just hilarious to think about. Golly, man. man, I never thought about that. Oh, Not a good yeah. part, but they no, were a part no, of no, it. No, 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 no. But um, King King says that this entrance is nice. He's like, oh, this is nice, but it doesn't intimidate Kane, which I thought was cool. But then then he goes on and says, he goes, how do you like your Undertaker, regular or extra crispy? And again, <laughs> JR reprimands him. He says, take this that's not seriously. Even funny. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's not even funny. You take it seriously. So, um, Yeah, they are, they're great during this match. They crack me up. Yes. King, King is so here for somebody getting burned alive. He just can't wait for it to happen. He's oh, as a shoot, yeah. <laughs> And JR's like, got... why are you saying, he's like, someone's going to get burned here. And King says, well, yeah. it's just hot out here. I'm ready for this match to be over. Exactly. <laughs> I'm ready for the flames to die now. He's, <laughs> he's shooting, probably, man. Yeah, he probably was. Like, that's my whole thing during this match is that, uh, I mean, it's not a great match. You know, spoiler alert, my opinion, this is not a great match. It is a great 
spectacle, as we've used over and over Tableau, again, is something to see. It is something to see. But yeah. I mean, all the credit in the world to these guys for being out there and wrestling a I don't know how long it was, twelve minutes, fifteen minute match in the middle of flames. Like yeah. that's exhausting to be out there and trying to run around and do stuff. And you can tell during the match because they don't do a ton of stuff, but Right. I, mean, I I gotta give them credit for even for being yeah. able to be out there and, and do that because it's it's insane. No one's ever done it before. The closest I can think of, maybe there is some version of this on the indies, but I, I guess I'm thinking of death matches in Japan where you might have right. fireworks going off and flames, but I don't know of anything else like this that I've ever seen. And I could be wrong. Right. I mean, fill us in listeners if there's if they stole this from Japan or or Somebody else. Sorry, Melzer. I, I don't know of anything else like this. So it, it was right. unique. It was innovative for sure. Oh yeah, for sure. A whole entire match with fire. You had fire on like you know in W in ECW on the tables or whatever, but nothing where the whole entire thing is surrounded by fire. Uh, yeah, it's really cool. But the announcers put over the spectacle and the lights. Uh, the lights are kind of down for this match, aren't they? Like kind of it's lit a little, really a lot lower. Right. Uh, again, production production value is great here because it really is a visual, a really striking visual you get here. And um, just like last month at WrestleMania, when the bell rings, Taker immediately attacks, and it's, that's twice now in a row that he's done that. And it's really cool because I think Jr. even comments about that. You know, he does. Uh, he picks up on it. Yeah, which again, great, good on you, Jr. Because you can't remember that a lot of this stuff he says every month. Like it's the first time he's ever said it. But yeah, he does pick up on that, and um, it's really a lot of just back and forth in the corner, throwing each other back and forth in the corner, and punching and kicking. And Taker hits a stinger splash, uh, goes for old school, and the flames just shoot up, man. And I, I don't know, it scared me for Undertaker being out there. <laughs> uh, it's cool. Yeah, we'll see later on that it's Gerald Briscoe and some other. Random dude, J- looks J-Bro. like <laughs> sound guy for Def Leppard over there, controlling the flames, um, uh, hitting the buttons to make it go up. They they figure it out as the match goes along. Eventually, they start doing it with every punch, every kick, every time yeah. they hit the mat, the flames go up. But at first, it's just on a couple high spots where the flames yeah. really shoot up. But I mean, really, <clears throat> to me, this match kind of reminded me of like a it felt like a Royal Rumble or a Battle Royal where. Just yeah. a lot of punching and kicking, a lot of shoving people in the corner, very few moves. You know, they're trying to, uh, like, you try to throw somebody out of a battle royal, they're trying to throw somebody into the flames. So that's really the story here. Yeah, there's not a lot of uh, technical wrestling, not a lot of moves going down here. Yeah, and not a lot of, um, you know, quote unquote, um, false finishes. It's hard to have no. a false finish in a, you know, to get the crowd to, right. to rise and, and fall and crescendo. And so it's hard to do that in a match like this. You know, they kind of go over to the edge and maybe lean their face into it or lean their arm into it. But it's hard to get a false finish and to get that drama out of something like this. But um, something that does happen here is that um, JR, again, this is what I want to talk about. JR says that Taker was battered at WrestleMania. <laughs> was battered and he may be battered and fried here tonight at Unforgiven. Stop battered and fried! Fried Undertaker! Wait, 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 wait. Didn't you just reprimand the king for making jokes? He couldn't help himself. <laughs> he couldn't. It's about fried food, man. He can't help himself. So, uh, again, I love J.R., but that was just, I had to call him out on that. His, his, his hypocrisy. Well, so, then, um, uh, King gets in another great line about food. <laughs> he, he says the, uh, you, you know, that old classic saying. They say hell hath no pizza, so you don't want to go there. 
Who says that? Who says that? that I will from now on. That I'll, I will definitely say that. Is a shirt if I've ever heard one. <laughs> you know what they say? Hell have no, no pizza. pizza. Like I don't want. You don't want to go there. Uh, <laughs> oh my goodness! Where did that come uh, from? What was he? <laughs> What it must be a Memphis about? thing, dude. I don't know what he's talking about, but I love it. I mean, between Paul Bear singing Digging Up Bones and that statement right there, I just I was looking forward to recording this episode, man. <laughs> this is such good Off sound bites. For all the crap of the like the build up and the, the choke slams into the bones and maggots, we got these great comments from, from all the parties involved. So I do appreciate that. <laughs> I, got, we got, I got another good one here in a minute. <laughs> yeah, oh, ahead. and so <laughs> I think at this point, you know, I think Kane hits a power slam. Uh, Taker, right after Taker is stuck in his stuck his finger in Kane's bad eye or his good eye. I don't even know which one. I don't. I can't keep up with his eyes. Yeah. But um, anyway, and then Paul Bear slides a chair in there, and man, Kane blasts Undertaker, unprotected headshot, just straight head to it, and um, Jr. coins and he's concussion city. So. uh Brock Lesnar can pay his royalties to Jr. here, and <laughs> Concussion City. So that's a, that's funny great. How can't see- commentaries would get excited about that. You know, oh yeah, twenty years ago. Now it's now they say, oh, he hit him on the top of his neck. The, yeah, the large the large face at the end of the top of his neck. <laughs> they can't say head at all on commentary nowadays. So, um, oh man. Well, as that's going on, I think uh, we've also seen some stuff like. Uh, both guys go for a choke slam at one point. Yeah, Kane, Kane ends up hitting it. The flames explode. Uh, Undertaker fights back, gets his own choke slam. Kane sits up from it. They do the thing where they, uh, I think Undertaker and Sid did it in their match. Where they do a double big boot, and both guys <coughs> the go du- down. Yeah, um, the Kane, double down, man. Yeah, and, and that's just that's a classic tag team match. You know, um, you know, wrestling psychology. You get both. You know, the baby face and the heel down. You get the crowd to clap 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 come on and they get the hot tag right there and it works in a singles match as well but i just do you know to break from the silliness i do want to put over the psychology there because even these two big men in this spectacle of a match and it's kind of a slow plotting methodical match but they get this big boot and this double down and that's the time for them to get to their feet and you know but the crowd eats it up they're clapping just like you would in a tag match and i just I mean they whoever called that spot taker or whatever like they work the crowd and they were just pulling the puppet strings, man. And it was just cool to see from like a psychology standpoint. I was just really flabbergasted by that. I don't know why, but for some reason, that stuck out. Maybe because there's nothing else to talk about in the match like as far as the physicality. But um, that was really cool. But I want to say something, too, that JR says right before that. He says that Undertaker's beating everybody he's ever been in the ring with, including Hulk Hogan. He's sure to get that jab in. But um, I got two words for you, man. Shawn Michaels. You're right. So he hasn't beaten Shawn Michaels yet. Hasn't beaten Shawn. So anyway, it's not a, not a banner night for Jr. because <laughs> he also he calls <laughs> he calls Kane the one-eyed monster. <laughs> In all seriousness, <laughs> and then I don't know how King laid out on that. I don't know how King didn't call something else. <laughs> I, don't I mean, know. at least he didn't call him the big red one-eyed monster. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but yeah, he does call him the one-eyed. Cover your drinks, ladies and gentlemen. He calls him the one-eyed monster. <laughs> red. We'll throw a red card for that. Uh, oh, I have no idea. That one didn't stick. No. <laughs> Thank God. So, 
But uh, maybe maybe King covered by saying that Paul Bear is over there sweating gravy. <laughs> he said he's sweating gravy. Oh, it's so good. Love it. Oh, but yeah, Just man. Complete JR. saving on Paul Bear. <laughs> every every time, always and forever. I know. I know. Never stop. Uh, uh, oh man, right. back. Get let me try to get us back to the match here. Well, yeah, uh, let's. Uh, at, at this point. Uh, Undertaker hits a superplex on Kane and yeah, then uh, cool. tosses Kane over the top rope. So here's what we were talking about, standing outside the fire. Yes. So, and again, you think about this match, well, how are they going to end it, you know, because the same thing we brought up in Hell in a Cell, you know, like they go out of the ring or out of the cell and you're like, the whole point of the match was you can't get out. Right. But they do, but they had a storyline reason for why they did, you know, and, and I think I mentioned that it's got to have Pat Patterson written on that, you know, to get out of there because he's allegedly one of the greatest, you know, finish guys in the company and in history. And so this is, we're getting into the finish of this match here. You know, Kane gets tossed over the top and um, he walks up the ramp here and Taker is trying to figure out, you can see him in the ring, you know, he's, he's playing out like, how can I get out? Like, I got to light him on fire, you know, how can I get out to get him? And at this point, Kane is attacked by a, a foe from his past. Vader attacks Kane, yeah. returning from uh, No Way Out. was the last time we saw him when he yeah. was beaten up and bloodied by Kane. So uh, we're going <laughs> to... They played of... Dodge Wrench. Right. <laughs> right. You can dodge a wrench, you can dodge a ball. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, they're going to transition into a feud, so this is the beginning of that. He fights with Kane, and he's really there because Undertaker <laughs> is going to jump over the top rope, over the flames, and hit his big giant dive onto Kane and Vader right as the flames jump up and burst higher Surge. and higher. Just a really, really awesome spot and visual here. That's really what we've all been building towards uh, right. seeing something like that. So excellent, excellent storytelling there. Uh, great yeah. spot, and uh, like you said, the crowd is really waking up. They're kind of in awe of everything at the beginning, sure. but uh, they're definitely starting to get into things now. Yeah, and again, I think that's just what a cool way to like how to, so, you know someone's like, well, crap, how do we figure out how to get him out of the ring? Oh, I'll just have Vader come down and he'll jump over. Like, I, I, it's got to be Pat Patterson, man. I just speculated, but he's just that's what a, what a unique way to to figure that out and say, well, we got to get out of the ring. So you got take a chance from the audience again. They're coming alive here and. Paul Bear comes and hits Kane, or Taker, excuse me, in the back with a chair, and of course he no sells it, and he nails Kane with this chair, and this is where Kane falls, head and arms first underneath <laughs> the apron. So this is a uh, not as bad of a spill as Titus O'Neil took at the Greatest Royal Rumble there, but he uh, he does fall, and you know strategically his head and his arms are underneath the apron. So this right. is where the the magic happens. So yes, I don't know exactly how they did it, but they're basically you're prepping his arm with. Something to where flames can go on it, but he's not going to get burned. I don't know how exactly they do that or what sort of thing that is, but that's what's happening there. But to distract us while that's happening, yes. Paul Bearer runs up the aisle way, uh, runs, waddles, I guess, uh, <laughs> to Sawyer Brown's stage. Undertaker stalks him back there, picks up a bass drum and smashes it over Paul Bearer's head. And Paul Bear, by God, does a blade job in this match. <laughs> he gets the juice, man. Kidding me? He's, was that necessary? Absolutely. No. Wait. <laughs> I cannot believe you just said this sentence. The Undertaker picks up a bass drum and hits Paul Bear on the head with it. <laughs> <laughs> Who 
we've come a long what way, we, man. What are we talking what about? What are we doing? <laughs> How about it? What is this episode? <laughs> I don't know, man. It's That's craziness. only somehow about the fourth most ridiculous thing we've seen on this episode. Yeah, is that. exactly. Uh, so yeah, Bear is, he doesn't have a crimson mask, but he's got a little blood coming from his forehead. You know, kudos to him for being one of the boys and taking a blade job there and um, completely unnecessary, but it works. And uh, at this point, Taker does a throat slash and the crowds, you know, loves it. And uh, he's walking back toward the ring here. And uh, Kane has a chair, I believe, right? And he goes to swing it at Taker, but Taker gives him a big boot. And it's a, must have been a big, big, big boot because it's enough to, not came back into the flames, and uh, his arm catches on fire. And so, technically, at 16 minutes, the match is, is over here. That's right. He set his brother on fire. Kane kind of holds that arm up real high so everybody can see it as he <laughs> stumbles yeah. backstage to uh, get it extinguished, and the bell rings. Undertaker has won yeah. the historic first-ever Inferno match. Yet another. I mean, we've seen... I guess like six or seven now kind of first ever matches that the Undertaker's been a part of. And uh, JR points out on commentary that history has repeated itself. And for the second time, the Undertaker has set his little brother on fire. Um, So we get a great visual here at the end. Really, I mean, really, really cool looking as Undertaker does his pose in the ring, the Shakespeare pose as the flames just roar all around him. The lights are down, purple lights, flames roaring up all over him. Very, very cool uh, visual here. Again, to me, you know, it's not a good match. Like it's, you know, maybe like one star for the wrestling level. Yeah. Spectacle-wise, it's uh, it's pretty cool. Uh, it's it's pretty yeah. interesting to see. It's definitely you're you're entertained in it for the whole fifteen minutes. Uh, it keeps your attention. It's. You know, not the greatest gimmick match of all time, but um, for the spectacle of it, for sure, uh, I, I give it a thumbs up. Uh, worth watching. Uh, definitely interesting. Um, yeah, what do you think? Yeah, I agree, man. Like I said, this is not a technical masterpiece, but um, I can't imagine wrestling in the ring of fire. Oh, yeah. And uh, they guys are probably sucking wind, man, I'm sure. It's, it's hot, you know? Oh, you can see um, Undertaker towards the end. Yeah. But after he does the stuff with Paul Bear and he's walking back towards Kane, he is gassed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No pun intended. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I mean, as, again, we keep saying that word spectacle as a visual. I'm trying to think of something else. As a whatever. As just, it is really cool visual and stuff to see. And um, yeah, you know, it's not going to win any Match of the Year awards, but story, you know, this is probably just one of the story, best stories of the year, you know, stretching back from last year as far as storytelling wise. So really cool stuff. A lot of great commentary and <laughs> neat sound bites. Thank God for that, because otherwise it would have been not quite as entertaining. So, uh, but yeah, the phenom lives is what Jr. says here. You know, as the show goes off the air, the phenom lives, which again um, is we knew that. But yeah, technically he's he's beat him twice on pay per view and once in the UK. So he's three and zero against his brother. So it is. Uh, it's worth seeing at least once. I would say. You know, sure. It's not on the level of. The Hell in a Cell with Shawn Michaels, no. or you know the Bret Hart matches, or even you know the Mankind matches that we've seen so far. It's not. I don't think it holds up well over rewatching. I think it's probably the only no. second time I've ever seen it. Uh, Same here. Yeah. Yeah. It's not one you're gonna. You probably want to revisit over and over again. But if you've never seen it, it's definitely uh, worth checking out uh, at least one time. Like you said, especially for the commentary. Uh, pretty, <laughs> pretty hilarious uh, gems um. in the commentary there. So. Yeah. yeah. 
And that's going to put the Undertaker and Kane feud on pause here for a at least one episode as we transition into something else eh, pretty historic, too, as we move on bit. to King of the Ring 1998. And the Undertaker will, will resume his other most historic feud against Mankind in another gimmick match, the Hell in a Cell. Yeah, probably the most <clears throat> iconic Hell in a Cell match with the craziest bumps and everything. Again, it's been replayed to death. And um, again, we've already stated our you know opinion that the first one is our favorite probably, but this one's definitely the most iconic, probably the most will stand the test of time as the quote-unquote best or whatever. Um, but yeah, Undertaker's going to skip the May pay-per-view, so we're going right into June next. And uh, yeah, I can't wait to get to that. We may try something a little different with that one, so... Yeah, we are looking at doing something we did for Royal Rumble 1997. Uh, we are probably, uh, if we can work out our schedule to do it uh, and set it up right, I think we're going to do a watch-along for this match. Uh, we'll queue up the WWE Network, give you guys the time queue, and we will do commentary over it. And that's because, you know... As Travis just mentioned. Not because we think we're funny here. Oh, no. We're good. <laughs> I mean, the JR and King commentary is iconic for this. So sure. yeah, we're not trying to improve on that. But, no. you know, it's the 20th anniversary of this match. It's arguably the most famous match in WWF history. You know, top five easily. It It's also been talked and discussed to death. And... Uh, Bruce Pritchard and Conrad are going to talk about it on their podcast this week. That's going to come out today, actually. Uh, it's the 20th anniversary of it. I don't know that we can offer all that much else uh, as far as analysis of it. So maybe if we try to just uh, do a little running commentary over it and talk about you know, what it's like from a fan's eye watching it and being a part of it. That's, that'll be our sort of attempt at doing something a little bit different uh, talking about Special, a match yeah. that's been talked about to death, especially right now and its 20th anniversary. So, right, we're thinking about trying that. We'll let you know uh, how it works <clears> out on the on the episode. If it sucks, then I don't know. <laughs> we might change it up. <laughs> might do something else. But that's the uh, yeah. that's the game plan right now for that next episode. So yeah, uh, we will encourage you to watch that. Um, just another uh, couple other quick recommendations, real quick. Uh, you mentioned on last week's episode, or, or maybe two weeks ago, the episode of Photo Shoot on the WWE Network with Goldust on it, where he talks yeah. about the Undertaker's casting match. I really love that show. Anyway, Photo Shoot show is really interesting yeah. if you've never watched it. Uh, it's one of the better originals, I think, along with Table for Three. Uh, so that one's worth checking out, uh, especially Undertaker fans. And the Godfather episode which yes. surprisingly is also really entertaining, and we get a lot of uh, commentary from The Godfather about his relationship with The Undertaker and about those... Uh, the BSK. That, the BSK, about stealing the urn, about the casket match he had with Undertaker. <laughs> yeah. It's really cool. Uh, even if you're not a Godfather fan, which I don't, I'm don't, i not right. a huge Godfather fan, but he, uh, yeah. that, that show was really interesting and uh, really well put together and some good Undertaker gems on there. Yeah, definitely one of us. Definitely was. Um, well, other than that, what are all our? I don't. I'm not our social media. <laughs> Facebook.com. We have a Facebook we, slash. Oh. Yes, we have a Facebook. <laughs> I'm, just, kid, I'm Facebook. just kidding. I know. I know. I'm just kidding. <laughs> just kidding. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram at Talking Taker, Podbean, 
Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, YouTube. Comment, rate, subscribe. Give us some feedback. Let your friends know about it. Buy a t-shirt. You know what to do at this point, people. Exactly. If you were there, Greensboro Coliseum, this night, let us know what it was like to see good old Ricky and Robert there before uh, <laughs> in the Attitude Era. Oh, my word. I never thought about that. I mean, you could but, probably uh, go to Greensboro Coliseum right now, today. and there's a yeah. 70% chance they'll be out there. Yes. Uh, Ricky out. Morton has this, has this wrestling school about 40 minutes from me right now, so um, I need to go by there and check it out. So, anyway. Get him on the uh, show. I'll see if I can. We don't have guests, but we'd like to. Oh, we will if we, have. If we can get Ricky Morton. Ricky Morton we'll has an that. open invitation to come talk Taker. <laughs> Absolutely, he does. So if you were there at Greensford Coliseum, if you saw this and just tell us what you thought, you know, we'd love to hear. We've heard from a couple people over a few of our episodes. Um, and so we'd really like to hear from some more. So, yeah, if you were there, let us know. And uh, other than that, ladies and gentlemen, take her easy. Last night I dug your picture out from our old dresser drawer I set it on the table and I talked to it till four I read some old love letters right up till the break of dawn Yeah, I've been sitting alone digging up bones Then I went through the jewelry and I found our wedding ring Put mine on my finger And I gave yours a fling Across this lonely bedroom Of our recent broken home Yeah, tonight I'm sitting alone Digging up bones I'm digging up bones I'm digging up bones Exhuming things that's better left alone But I'm resurrecting Set no.